0: Miracy We give away our skills, our knowledge, our experience for free, or bargain prices because we don't believe we're worth more. There's this little voice in our head that says, "Who do you think you are? No one's gonna pay that.
1: Hello, I'm Melinda Cohen and you're listening to Just Between Coaches. I run a business called the Coaches Console and we're proud to have helped thousands of coaches create profitable and thriving businesses. This is a podcast where we answer burning questions that newer coaches would love to ask a more experienced coach. I've talked about various aspects of money in prior episodes, like asking for the sale, money mindset, price resistance, those kinds of things. And today I'm bringing the problem with under-earning to the table. Under-earning isn't having a budget that's out of balance, but a pattern of behavior and thinking that holds you back from having the life that you want it. Although all genders may relate to today's topics, I want to discuss and address women's relationship to having personal financial responsibility and their tendency to be under earners. Today, my guest says there is a better way to achieve wealth and power on your own terms as a woman. I've invited Barbara Houston to the show. Barbara is a leading authority on women, wealth, and power. As a best-selling author of seven books, financial therapist, teacher, and wealth coach, she has helped millions, including myself, take charge of their finances and live their lives. Welcome, Barbara. Thank you, Melinda. Thanks for having me. Barbara, I am so excited to have you on the show, but before we dive in, would you mind sharing just a little bit of your background? Like, How did you get started helping women with money?
0: So I grew up in a wealthy family that nobody talked about money. And money just wasn't an issue. I'd ask my father about money and he'd say, don't worry. And I'd say, great. I love that advice. And I married a man who was a stockbroker. So he was perfect, right? But I found out very early in my marriage is that he was a compulsive gambler. And the insane part, because I wasn't supposed to worry, (laughs) I let him handle the money. I let him pay all the bills. I let him do the investings. I just signed whatever he told me to sign because that's how terrified and intimidated I was by money. Finally, after 15 years, we got a divorce and I decided money's not my thing. I do not want to deal with money. Well, the universe had other plans for me because I got tax bills for over a million, way over a million dollars. Taxes my ex didn't pay for illegal deals he got us in. My ex had left the country. My father wouldn't lend me the money. I had nowhere near a million dollars. I was terrified. I knew I had to get smart. I had three daughters. They were all young. One was a baby. I was not going to raise them on the street. So I read the books. I went to classes. My eyes would glaze over. My brain would fog up. I didn't know what I was going to do, but I swear, Melinda, I swear, I really believe when you make a commitment, like no back door. I am committed. I'm going to walk through fire to make this happen. The universe revolves to help you reach your goal. And at the time, I was a journalist writing for the San Francisco Business Times. And I was hired for a writing project, a research project, to interview women who were smart with money. And those interviews changed my life. I not only got smart about money, but I had this whole new career traveling around the country doing financial education for women. And I wrote my first book, Prince Charming Isn't Coming, but I couldn't make money. I couldn't make money, no matter how hard I worked. And I went to a financial counselor And that's when she told me I was an under earner. And I said, no, I'm not. I'm a writer because everybody knows writers don't make money. (laughs) That's what under earners do. We find all kinds of things to blame and reasons why we can't earn more. And then the damnedest thing happened. My agent called me with a book idea. She said, why don't you write a book about women who are making lots of money? I interviewed 154 women who made six and seven figures. I started making six figures, which was three times more than I'd ever made. And now here we are, seven books later,
1: talking about money. So a couple of questions that come up. First of all, how do you define an under earner? I know I kind of gave a little summary in the intro, but how do you define it? An under earner is anyone
0: who earns less than she needs or
1: desires
0: despite her effort to do otherwise. If you ever find yourself saying, I'd love to make more money, but you're an under earner because you can make six figures and still be an under earner and you can make less and not be.
1: Now, when you were writing that book, the interviewing all those women that were making six figures, making all this money, at the time, you had not yet made it. Because I think about the coaches, the entrepreneurs that I work with, and the imposter syndrome is a big one. And it's like, well, who am I to talk to people about this? Did you experience anything like that when you were writing that first book? Or what was that project like? So, okay, there's a difference between interviewing and writing with the interviewing, I did not feel like an
0: imposter because I was a journalist and I was trained as a counselor. I was a good questioner. What was so fascinating for me was these women were so confident, just like I expected them to be. But as we get deeper into the interview, virtually every single one struggled with fear, struggled with self-doubt. I would say 90% Felt like an imposter. But the difference between them and me is they didn't let the fear or the self-doubt or feeling like a fraud stop them. They did it anyway. So it was a watershed moment when I started seeing that.
1: That you can feel like an imposter and you can feel afraid and it doesn't need to stop you. And it doesn't stop you. You still go for it and you still accomplish even in the midst of those feelings or those internal thoughts. Well, what I saw is these women, when they went for it, They didn't always succeed, at least not in the beginning.
0: They fell down, but they didn't stop. Mm. They got back up and they kept going. I took out a piece of paper while I was interviewing them. I wrote these words on the computer paper in red crayon, and I framed it. It's still here today. And it said, do what you fear. That's how you succeed.
1: Well, that's one of the things that you helped me with. It was a question that you would ask me a lot was, what's one thing that you're afraid of right now that you fear that scares you? Okay, let's do that. And I'm like, are you kidding me? When I was preparing for this interview with you cuz you I adore you and you have transformed my life in so many ways over these years when I met you. What was it? Back in 2008. And I'll never forget when I first saw you on stage. I took a right turn in my life and, you know, growing up, I came from a family where we didn't have a lot of money. It was tight, it was a struggle. Dad's a preacher, mom's a teacher, so, you know, it was not easy. And I was still pretty good with money, you know, through high school, college, when I had my job, made a good salary, balanced my checkbook, saved and like all that stuff. But when I became an entrepreneur and started my own business before I even realized it or knew what it was, I was an under earner and I was getting in trouble fast. Why do you think women or coaches or entrepreneurs have so much difficulty making or managing money? Because I know I'm not alone in this. I've heard these stories over and over, over the years. Why are so many entrepreneurs and women under earners?
0: I think there's a lot of reasons, but honestly, I think it all boils down to three. The first one is that we devalue ourselves. We give away our skills, our knowledge, our experience for free or bargain prices because we don't believe we're worth more. There's this little voice in our head that says, Who do you think you are? No one's going to pay that. The second reason is that we women and coaches in general, we tend to be notoriously codependent. We put everybody else's needs first, not just our family and friends, but hell, coworkers and perfect strangers. But I mean, they may sound noble, but self sacrifice. Always leads to anger, to resentment, to pain, and sometimes illness. And that's not exactly the stuff that success is made of, but ask us to put ourselves first. And what happens? And we say, no, we feel guilty. And this brings us to the third reason. And this, honestly, this is the major reason. We don't want to be uncomfortable. We immediately want to be safe. And the number one requirement for going to the next level is always,
1: always going outside your comfort zone. That's beautiful. I just want that to kind of sink in and resonate for a moment.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, when I think back to my journey and looking back, I could see where that really slowed me down and kept me comfortable in an attempt to try to keep me safe. Uh, so it's been interesting how how we go outside of our comfort zone and as it relates to our money, and then when it becomes our business, I mean, they go hand in hand. And so I want to ask this question. I kind of feel like I know the answer, but why is it so important to understand that financial success, it's easier when you learn how the mind and the, the brain, the heart, everything, how it all works together.
0: I just recently, maybe the past six years, started bringing neuroscience into the work. And it's an evolutionary survival tactic. So our brains, From the beginning of time, millions and millions of years ago, our primitive brains were designed for one purpose, one purpose only, to make sure we stay alive. And that's how our prehistoric ancestors survived. And that's why we're here, because our brain, immediately when there was any danger, our thinking brain would shut down and we would go into fight, flight, or freeze. We didn't have time to think, we just acted on it. Fast forward now, what happens is we get scared our thinking brain turns off, we freeze. We need to retrain our brain and trying to change your behavior. But when you understand that the brain is shaped by our mind, the thoughts we continually think, the feelings we continually have is what sculpts our brain, which controls our behavior. Then you understand how you can use the mind, shifting your thinking to shift your brain to shift your behavior.
1: I love it. I could geek out on neuroscience on these topics, on any topic. I love it because when we can engage that, I find that change is easy. When we don't, that's when we stay in the land of resistance. That's when we stay in the land of, yeah, but well, I tried that, but or, yeah, I want to do that, but or you know, whatever those reasons are, we stay in that tug of war with ourselves and stay in that land of ambivalence. I just want to talk a little
0: bit about a resistance because I think that's an important subject, really important. And especially when it comes to money, is that resistance is absolutely normal. It is inevitable. Anytime you go to try something new, resistance kicks in. So when I get into resistance, I think it's a good sign. That means I am going to the next level. Essentially, resistance is a psychological reaction to an internal conflict. Okay, hold on. Repeat that one. Psychological. Resistance is a psychological reaction to an internal Conflict. A part of you wants to soar and a part of you is scared to death. And the key is not to avoid resistance or even try to push through, because when you try to push through resistance, your brain's going to fight you because your brain wants to keep you safe. The key is to work with it, to understand it, because resistance is a mother load of information about what's been holding you back. So when clients go into resistance, that makes me really happy because I know they really want to move forward. A part of them is like this little kid, little baby holding their legs saying, don't go, don't go. And when you can examine and work with resistance, it frees you.
1: I love that. That may be one of my takeaways. Like I remember when I first heard you speak and I read your book multiple times, I read it through once. I'm like, oh, okay, let's go back and really read it. And now let's go back and do it. And so it took me a few times to get through it because I really wanted to have my financial situation be different. And I remember you talked about resistance and it's like this this signpost on the highway. It's like, you're almost there. You've got 26 more miles or something like that. But it's like, oh yeah, just keep going, keep going. And to understand it and to work with it. And I really like the distinction you said about don't push through it. Can you say more about that? Because I know a lot of people, it's like hunker down, push through it. You know,
0: it's a cliche, what you resist persists. So trying to resist the resistance and push through it. I liken the resistance to your soul saying, wait a minute, you've got some deeper work to do if you want to go where you want to go, where we want you to go. So it's important. So when you feel that resistance, instead of pushing through or stopping, either one is letting the resistance control you, either one, if you can ask yourself some questions. Simple questions like, why am I so afraid? Because that's the part that doesn't want to move, that doesn't want to go forward, that doesn't want to live your best life because it's scared. There's a payoff for staying safe. And that's such an interesting question to ask yourself. What is my payoff? And and what would happen if nothing changed, if my life stayed the same as it is right now, five years from now, how would I feel? You ask yourself questions like that, and you're gonna start getting some really interesting insight into what's in your unconscious, the unconscious, the internal barriers that are holding you back.
1: Well, those are powerful questions, powerful questions to ask ourselves. I mean, they're powerful coaching questions. I would dare say, whether it's you're helping yourself with money or even working with a client on any kind of resistance, no matter what the topic is, those are incredible coaching questions. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's
0: really good. It's not just to ask you, but to ask your clients. Like when your clients get in resistance, that's like an opening. That's, that's like a window opening into seeing what
1: is there that's keeping them stuck. Now, you, you gave us these questions to begin to help not push through, not avoid it, but to work through it. What are other things that women or entrepreneurs can do that can help them get smart about money?
0: Well, I'll give you three steps. This is what I did. My brain did not want to get this, but I knew I needed to understand this. And I needed to understand because what I was beginning to understand back then is it's not about money. It's about who you have to become to become a container that can attract, that can keep, and that can grow your money. So it's never about money. It's never about money. Problems with money are never about money. There's always something deeper. That said, so the deeper work is a really important part if you're stuck. But what I call the outer work If you want to understand money, you do these three steps. I don't know, three, four months, and you will be amazed. And I wish every coach would do this because one of the problems I had when I was going through my financial crisis is I would go to these therapists, I would would go to these counselors, I would go to these coaches. They all had their own money issues. They couldn't help me. Mm -hmm. And money issues are so prevalent today. Okay, three steps. Every day, read something about money. Just for a minute or two. Take a financial book, but only read one paragraph. That's all you need to do. Because so much of getting smart or smarter about money is just familiarizing yourself with the jargon, with the current trends. I call it the osmosis school of learning. And I swear to God, it works. And to this day, I'll do that. Every day, read something about money just for a minute or two. Every week, have a conversation about money, preferably with someone that knows more than you. Because I believe, especially for women, it's our secrecy and silence that keeps us stuck. So anybody I would meet that was smart about money, I would call to ask if I could have a conversation with them. I would ask them like, how did you get smart? What's the best advice someone gave you? What are some of the worst mistakes you made? What would you tell me to do? Ask them questions like that. And I will tell you people really love to talk about their stories and their money issues so every day read every week talk and every month save automatically have money transferred from your checking account or your payroll check to a savings account you don't miss what you don't see and that starts adding up so quickly so every day read every week talk and
1: every month save sounds so simple may not be easy. And it's just very simple. Keep it simple. And like you said, consistency over a few months, I could say that there'd be a significant difference in where you are with your money. Now you say that wealth doesn't come from what you earn. Can you talk more about that? Why do you say that?
0: Wealth comes from what you do with what you earn. So in other words, I noticed right at the beginning of my practice, how many high earners came to me who had nothing in the bank, they had nothing to show for it. Wealth comes not from what you bring in, it's what you keep in. So you don't have to make a lot of money to create wealth. And you can make a lot of money and have nothing to show for it. So if you want to create wealth, you have to follow three rules. And the three rules of wealth are you spend less than you bring in, you save more, Than you need, and you invest wisely in assets that will grow faster than inflation and taxes take it away. You spend less, save more, invest wisely. That's how you become wealthy.
1: I remember when I learned that from you, that was a game changer. It's a write down a bolt that I have, I can't even imagine how many times I thought it. And then the big thing that you said in all caps at the end was in that order, people, in that order. And that was the game changer for me.
0: Because there is a fourth rule of wealth that I didn't mention. It's spend less, save more, invest wisely, and give generously. Mm -hmm. But that's the order. When you give generously without spending less, saving more, investing wisely, it's an act of self-sabotage. Because not only are you jeopardizing your own future security, but you diminish the impact you can make with your money. And this, this is why we create wealth. It's not just to have more money in the bank. It's what we can do with our money for ourselves, for the people we love, for causes we feel passionate about. And that's why I'm so excited about helping women create wealth.
1: Mm, I love that. Now, we could go in so many different directions. And I know you and I could talk about this topic for days. And we have Right now, what is it that you most want to share with our listeners about this topic of under-earning or creating wealth or sacred success? Or what is it that you want everybody to know? I mentioned it, but I think this is important. Problems with money are never
0: about money. And if you keep it about money, you're going to miss something really important that the universe is trying to show you. The problems with money are always about power. And what I realized really early in my career, really early, is that women's problems with money had nothing to do with money. It had to do with their fear of or ambivalence about power because they didn't understand power from a feminine perspective. And my definition of a powerful woman is someone who knows who she is, who knows what she wants and expresses that in the world unapologetically. So essentially our Fear of power is our fear of becoming all we are supposed to be, all we were born to be. Instead, we water ourselves down so we don't make waves.
1: I love that. I remember being at one of your trainings, Barbara, and uh, you had a—I think it was a T-shirt—and it had the acronym Bitch. Yeah. B. Period. I. Period. T. Period. C. Period. H. Period. And you said, ladies, that's a babe in total control of herself. And I, when you said that, I was like, oh yeah, the world has misconstrued what that means and given it a lot of negative baggage to that word. And in that moment, when you changed it from a word to an acronym, you really helped me understand the feminine face of power. It's not control over, it's not power over, but it's that here's who I am. Here's what I want. I'm living it boldly, outrageously. And I love that word that you use unapologetically. And I was like, yeah, that's exactly how I want to be. And that really for me was the deeper work that my issues with money, when I got into debt early on in my business, that was really the golden nugget. It helped me to realize how to be unapologetic so I could show up boldly for myself because then I could show up boldly for my customers and my clients, and my students, and our community, and my team. Melinda, what you just said there
0: was powerful, but what you said is what was written on the front of that t-shirt. What was written on the front of that t-shirt was embrace your bitch. You did it by owning yourself. Being a bitch is an act of self-love. That's all it is.
1: Yeah, in the way that you're talking about it. Not the way the world sees that or hears that word or uses that word, but in the way that you reframed it, you flipped it on its head and it's like, yes, ma'am, that is how I'm going to show up in my life. It's rocked my world, that's for sure. I love
0: that story. I'm so glad you told it.
1: Now let's summarize a few things that we've talked about today. So Barbara, I love how you always define under earner. It's somebody who earns less than she needs or desires despite her ability to do so otherwise and your rule the go-to rule that you learned all those years ago that you still have framed that you share with myself and so many others do what you fear that's how you succeed and we talked about why entrepreneurs coaches women that combination why we are typically under earners and we covered those three areas about devaluing ourselves being notoriously codependent and the not wanting to be uncomfortable. And it's so interesting because as a coach, as a service-based entrepreneur, it's like a double-edged sword. We are generous, we are service oriented, we are givers. And the double edge of that sword is that it can flip into this under earner category. We talked about the number one requirement going outside of our comfort zone. I mean, we're coaches, we get it and we have to do it for ourselves. We talked about how when we bring in the neuroscience of this, we've got to get our thoughts and feelings aligned because that sculpts our brain, which controls our behavior. And that's the only time that we're going to experience change. I loved our conversation about resistance and how it's normal. It's like, yes, alert, alert, things are happening. This is good, but don't avoid it. Don't push through it because what resists persists, work with it, understand it. I love those three questions that you gave us about how to work through it. I wrote those down. I cannot wait to explore them myself and with my clients. We talked about how to get smart about money because it's not about money. We got to do the deeper work to know what the universe has in store for us. Why the money is just the the tangible external thing that's coming up to help us be called to the deeper work in ourselves. And you gave us the three steps for the outer work. How do we get smart about money? So simple, but we got to be consistent with it. We talked about wealth. It's not about what you earn. It's about what you keep. And you gave us the three, well, actually the four rules of wealth and uh, how important it is to do it in that order. And then I think my absolute favorite was at the very end, talking about the feminine face of power and not power over, not control over, uh, but living outrageously, unapologetically as we want to show up in this world because it's never a problem about money. Barbara, do you have any parting words? You did a hell of a job summing that up. That was beautiful.
0: Thanks. I think you did a really good job there.
1: Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for listening to this episode of Just Between Coaches. And also a giant thank you to Barbara for this great conversation about overcoming under-earning. You can actually find out more about her at barbara husoncom That's Barbara with the little dash, H-U-S-O-N H-U-S-O-N.com. Barbara, thank you so much for coming to the show.
0: I always love talking to you, Melinda. Thank you.
1: I'm Melinda Cohen, and you've been listening to Just Between Coaches. Just Between Coaches is part of the Mirror CFM podcast network, which also includes such shows as Making It and Soul Savvy Business. This episode was produced by Cynthia Lamb. I wrote this episode with Mishi Lance. She assembled the episode. Danny Eni is our executive producer, and post-production was by Post Office Sound. To catch upcoming great episodes on Just Between Coaches, please follow us on Spotify, on Apple podcasts or wherever you're listening right now. And if you like the show, please leave us a start review. It's the best way to help us get these ideas to more people.